The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Cody, I know you got one, and I got one too. Have you been using your Alamo Drafthouse limited edition adults-only sausage party coloring and activity book? Let me tell you about this. <laughs> we'll talk about sausage party a little bit later. Right. No matter what our opinions are, this coloring book is amazing. My absolute favorite thing about it is the word find. Yes, uh, <laughs> That's the first thing my eyes came to is the word find. It's um, <laughs> it's really, really funny. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe there's uh, at least 10 fucks to be found. Uh, a couple motherfuckers. I think a cocksucker in there. And that, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that that is my favorite joke in the book. And it's full of uh, full of dirty images uh, as well. Uh, we got these uh, handed out to us. Uh, here in Austin, we saw the, the premiere of, of, uh, Sausage Party at the, uh, Alamo Draft House location downtown. And, uh, they were sitting on, uh, everybody's, uh, everybody's table. And I believe on their, uh, Alamo Instagram account, the Draft House Instagram account, they have, a a, a small animated picture of, uh, people reading them. And it zooms into this one guy that's just reading it. And he's just totally appalled by what he's seeing. Uh, because there is they some, don't back down, man. Yeah, there's some graphic uh, fruit on vegetable action in there. Some fruit on vegetable oral sex. Fruit on vegetable oral sex. Um, I'm not even sure what's uh, what all is in there. I, I can't remember that. I know that there's uh, you know the Frank and Brenda scene, and then there's the the gum getting a lap dance from other pieces of gum, and there's a lot of um. Lavash in there. Oh yeah, Lavash and uh, and Taco and, and uh, Teresa the Taco. Um, it's it's a really really filthy coloring book. And I, you know what? I'm not a big fan of the uh, the adult coloring book trend that people uh, people people uh, mm-hmm. partake in. But I think this might make me a convert. And uh, this is a limited edition adults only sausage party coloring and activity book. It's only six dollars. Uh, it's at well Alamo worth Draft your House. money too, by the way. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and but just do not let your kids see it. Or you know what? Do what do I give a shit about? But, hey, uh, if you want to expose your kids to sex at an early age, why not? <laughs> Especially between uh, between like foodstuffs, you know, it doesn't really it doesn't really count. I don't think does it. Nah, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, you can pick these up at any Alamo Draft House location. Also, get your tickets for Sausage Party at DraftHouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no, They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is kind of <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but it's uh, Feig. I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulk Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cine Snob Podcast. Welcome to episode 86 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I am Cody C. Viafania. C? What does a C stand for? It stands for Christian. Oh. Is that a, is that a family name or is that uh, like a religious thing? It's a family name. Okay. 
grandmother's maiden name. Oh, if wow. you remember back in the day when I was on Flickr Footnotes on WOAI uh-huh. with host Cyber Bob Gambert, um, he you. he referred to he. I think he couldn't pronounce my last name, so he referred to me as Cody Christian. I don't remember you being on with Bob, but I don't recall that. Yeah, it was it was actually when. Um, I, like before, I was writing for Cinesnob. It was for the Sorcerer's Apprentice, <laughs> and they were running like a promo of a of a film critic apprentice, and uh, I was oh, selected. Oh, that's right. I remember that now. That's got to be it, like nine years ago now, something like that. Man, it was a long time ago. When it was my sorc- first appearance on the show. When did the Sorcerer's Apprentice come out? I need to look that up. Uh, I I do it was probably in like 2010 or so. I thought that came out in like 2007. Oh, yeah, it was 2010. You're right. So six long years ago. How much? Back you, when I was just a young teenager. How much you've changed since then? Wait, how old? I thought you were 26. I'm 27 now. Well, what the fuck? You weren't even a teenager at all. <laughs> 2010, you goddamn asshole. <laughs> Don't judge me, you dick. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I I do remember most. Most of all, I remember when uh, when you were doing the show when we last kind of wrapped it up at the downtown building at WAI, mm-hmm. and uh, we brought you in because I was like, you know what, let's let's give it a shot. And then <laughs> I remember uh, our friend Bob uh, suggesting he's like trying to figure out a nice way to do it. He's like, can we get Cody to stand on the apple box? Yeah, the night the, the the polite apple box suggestion. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, maybe. But I was always standing in between you and Kiko, so I felt like a like a child listening to mommy and daddy I, argue. I I pulled a screenshot. I have all of those uh, those segments saved somewhere. The Flickr footnotes things that we recorded because they're all just that great. Um, <laughs> they're not, uh, but I have one saved, and I remember I pulled a screenshot from one. It's when we're reviewing the movie Bully. Of the documentary, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and and the way like we're facing, like I'm wearing a suit coat, a sport coat. You're wearing like a polo shirt, or or like a t-shirt, and Kiko's wearing a polo shirt. And you and I are looking at Kiko, and he looks like a vice principal explaining to us like like what steps you can take to be, from, keep from being bullied. Like I'm your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put it on Facebook like a year ago with that caption. And yep, yeah. I was being bullied at school. Yep, still are. What I from what I yeah. Hear. Well, I mean, it's just my height. You know, I'm just such a shorty. Did you? Uh, speaking of um, speaking of short people, anyway, <laughs> my brother is about the same uh, statue as stature as you. He's a little more buff, though. He his his birthday. He's a year younger than you. He's 25, and I uh, I gave him that uh, that. Uh, Bootleg uh, Friday Night Lights jersey. You had yeah, the ch- the Chinese Tim Riggins jersey, right? Yeah. Did you see the picture I posted? I did see that. Yeah, it looks great. It's a great jersey, and he was he was really stoked to get it. And uh, I highly recommend those uh, Chinese bootleggers for uh, for all your the, TV jersey needs. The funny thing is, I would go Saracen. Yeah, yeah. He, my my brother's a Riggins fan, so. I'm I'm a Saracen guy. My brother's my brother's the kind of guy that that works on his own truck, you know, rigging style. You know, you would go you'd go Saracen because you're kind of you you want to fall in love with that uh, Guatemalan nurse that's taking care of your grandma. 
No, I'm all about that uh, Amy Teagard and the oh, well, Julie Taylor. True, true. But remember, he uh, he lost his virginity to the nurse. <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which mirrors my own life. Yeah. That was, uh, that was from the ill-fated second season of Friday Night Lights. Oh, the one with the murder plot, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the murder plot and the magic Guatemalan nurse. I think. By the way, we may talk a little bit about this later, but... There's some Friday Night Lights related casting rumors for some particular movies that have me very excited. Why don't you just talk about it right now? Yeah, let's go for it. Well, the uh, Deadpool sequel, you tweeted, you sent this to me yesterday. The Deadpool sequel uh, supposedly is eyeing uh, Kyle Chandler as Cable. Look, if you tell me that you're eyeing Kyle Chandler in any role, I'm on board. What... uh... That's a really out of left field choice, I think. Uh, it is, and because, I fucking love it personally. Well, I think that the the thing is that 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 Coach Taylor is such a likable, awesome character that it's it's actually difficult to imagine Kyle Taylor as a Kyle, villain. Kyle Chandler, you said Kyle Taylor. Oh, Kyle Chandler, Whoops. Eric Taylor, I, Eric Taylor, Kyle Chandler, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's so ingrained in my brain at this point. Well, to be fair, Cable uh, Cable is kind of a, an anti-hero in the vein of uh, in the vein of Deadpool. Like he's not a villain per se. Like he may begin as I don't remember his comic book origins that well. As I'm looking at an action figure of him that's on my wall right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look, look, I'm not into hyperbole. I try not to do it as much as possible, but. Kyle Chandler's performance in that in Friday Night Lights is is so goddamn good. You know, he he actually won the Emmy in the in the season that Breaking Bad took like a year off. Yeah, he got everyone the... thought that was John Hamm's year to win, and nope, Kyle Chandler snuck in and won, and totally deserving. That guy is an amazing actor. That was the final season of Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember. Um... <laughs> That it they moved it from NBC to, to uh, whatever that Directv channel Direct is, TV. and I don't think that channel still exists anymore. But uh, I would uh, find ways to watch it um, before it you aired know, on NBC. My favorite thing about Kyle Chandler was as Coach Taylor was he's he does this amazing like exasperated, frustrated laugh that's like it, it's such a hallmark of that character. Where he's just like pissed off, but he's so pissed off that he's laughing at it. Oh yeah, that's that's the best Coach Taylor touch to me. Well, I I hear he lives in the area up here. I hear he lives in Austin. And I'd love to meet him someday. I mean, just because I I want to be like, hey, Coach, how's it going? Uh, but you know, be one of those guys. Um, that was I wouldn't really do that. Uh, but uh, he used to be uh, a big. Uh, they used to hold some event in San Antonio that he attended all the time too. Uh, some sort of a football event. I don't remember. Anyway, I like uh, I like Eric. Uh, Eric, you fucked me up with this too. Kyle Chandler as Cable. Um, that's a crazy rumor, and I would love it to be true. Uh, world- oh, me too. Like anything that involves Kyle Chandler is good with me. Did you like him in? Have you seen the the show that he's in on Netflix? You know, I've watched about uh, half a season of Bloodline on Netflix, the first season. But I also love Ben Mendelsohn quite a bit. So. Oh, you're a big Ben Mendelsohn. Are you excited for him in Star Wars Rogue One? Or Rogue One, a Star Wars story? You mean the, like, half a second he's in the trailer? 
Did you, uh, speaking of, let's, let's transition to that while we're on this mishmash of topics. Did you see the new trailer for Rogue One? I did. It's interesting enough. Um, I don't think it provides anything new. Um, it has a lot a of little... new imagery. No, I mean, you get the Darth Vader, but, you know, we knew that was coming at this point. Um, you get Darth Vader and you get a little bit of Alan Tudyk's uh, droid. Excuse me, character. What I was what I was waiting for was more of the um, the Mads Mikkelsen and the um, because his character is sort of a, a mystery at this point, and I'm a big fan of that guy. I love Mads Mikkelsen, and um, you know, I what, what I think is the most the thing that stands out the most about the trailer and everything that we've seen so far is that we're really getting this new Star Wars universe that's very female centric. With Felicity Jones being the lead in this, and and uh, Daisy Ridley being the lead in The Force Awakens, I think it's awesome. I love it. All the Star Bros are mad because uh, it's ruining their childhood, like the Ghostbusters did. That's another thing we should talk about. Since we're on a mishmash of topics here, the uh, news came out that Ghostbusters might lose seventy million dollars. The uh, the of course Kristen Wiig, uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, starring Ghostbusters. You read that article I sent to you, right? Yeah, seventy million dollars in the sequel is probably unlikely at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that uh, that I'm too terribly surprised that um, you know it's just not that good of a movie. I mean, it's fine. That's that's the I think that's the important point to make. That it's not about gender, it's not about anything else other than the movie's just really not that great. I mean, it's. I thought it was fine. I think I gave it a B minus uh, in my review, but I, I don't think it's great. And I, I think it's, it's, it's funny to me. Have you? I was talking about this with another, another another friend. I don't think any live action film that's been released this summer has done well enough to automatically warrant a sequel. Which I can't remember a summer that that hasn't happened. As far as like major movie releases, not really. I mean, we're actually at a pretty good time for indie movies, but um, as far as major releases, yeah, you're totally right. Nothing has really been like, yeah, I can't wait to see more of that. Or even beyond that, I think more of this would make a lot more money. Well, right. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like mostly financially, because I mean, there's other stuff. Like I liked the direction that the new, the newest Ninja Turtles movie went in, away from the one it had been before. But I don't think it made enough money to warrant a sequel. I don't think it was a big enough hit at all to warrant a sequel. I don't think that. Um, I mean, Suicide Squad, I guess, is probably the closest thing to it, because it's getting, you know, it's part of a larger series of movies. But, you know, Independence Day Resurgence, that's not happening. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a total dud. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I'd have to flip back. To well, the like list. the Jason Bourne franchise, is that going to continue? Because it was garbage. I hope not, because it was just not not good. Um, I would be surprised if Star Trek continued, frankly. Uh, because Even though they have, like, plans for it to continue? Well, that was just – that seemed like something that was just kind of tossed off by uh, – by Abrams, you know, it, it's not, I mean, that was a dumb thing that was like, what was it? He wanted, uh, Chris Hemsworth to come back, uh, as Kirk's father somehow. Uh, I, I just don't, yeah. th- I just don't think that any of the big tentpole live action movies have done even close to the, to the financial business needed to automatically green light a sequel, you know? Um, I, yeah, I fully agree with that. 
So um, anyway, Ghostbusters, uh, I think, is back under the control of Ivan Reitman. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you lose $70 million, you're not going to – I mean, even even like stuff like Pacific Rim that might lose money but has international value, Ghostbusters didn't have that luxury. So You know what the, the worst part about all that is? Is that it, it – not, not directly but like de facto proves all these, these fucking haters right that, that shit on the movie before it even hit theaters – all those people that were, they were, like I mentioned, were pissed off that they were women. Cast. They have been, they have been here too referred to as ghost bros. Ghost bros, yes. Um, the ghost bros, uh, you know, claiming victory in this when it wasn't like it didn't have anything to do with them being women. It just had to do with them being like the movie not being that great. Um, and it really wasn't that good. I mean, it was fine. I, I would, I would go as far to say it was fine. I think there's some big messes in there. I watched it twice again because my girlfriend wanted to see it and she hadn't seen it. So um, I watched uh, I watched it again with a little like a, a, the bigger mindset to to the kind of set the the way everything was laid out. That's the same thing I did with Suicide Squad when I saw that the second time, and the sequence in the theater at that Hard Rock show is a fucking mess. Uh, the one that ends with Ozzy Osbourne's corpse, like yelling, yeah. yelling for Sharon, um, like that seems edited to hell. Uh, and just like the climax of the film is like, there's that dance sequence. that's obviously left out. Um, just another kind of hallmark of a troubled movie that they, that they raced to put together, um, like suicide squad, but, uh, you didn't see that. So we can't fucking talk about it. Hey, uh, that's blame that on Warner brothers. Not on me. He had plenty of time to go see it. God damn it. Eat my, eat my dust. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say. I'm censoring myself quite a bit. Oh, I was going to say ass. But... Yeah, well, you can say it because I don't really give a shit. Oh, eat my ass then. Right. <laughs> uh, but what we have spent time on this summer um, in the downtime between these movies that have underwhelmed us, a little show called Stranger Things. Ooh, boy. That we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, I, wa- I finished this. I want to say I finished it about three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it came out quickly, and, and I was a little bit late to the party, and people, you know, by the time I had finished, people had been finished for, you know, a week or two. I think I took uh, about a um, about three or four days, maybe five days to watch the whole thing. I think I started when my, uh, when my Amazon Fire Stick arrived. Uh after Prime Day, if you can if you can measure such an occasion. So whenever Amazon Prime Day was, it was like th- two days later. That's a meaningless meaningless factoid for you. But uh, if you don't like, know, truly meaningless. Truly, I mean, this means <laughs> absolute dick to anybody. Um. So it's uh it's this it's a it's best described I guess as kind of a Stephen King meets uh, a little bit of Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter in the mix. That's the perfect description with a little bit of J.J. Abrams in there, too. Oh, fuck you. This J.J. <laughs> Abrams is – this is what Super 8 should have been, and you fucking know it. Dude. Uh, so you can stick that right up your dick. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That sounds painful. <laughs> you, you can uh, – this, this is what – this is what J.J. Abrams aping of the Spielberg style should have resulted in. Shit. In- no, dude, not only that. This is what a this is what Spielberg should have been doing for the past decade. 
Well, I don't, I don't mind him growing. I don't mind Spielberg growing. I mean, Spielberg is is uh, really hit or miss lately, as far as I'm concerned. Um, not to discount. I mean, the guy's been making fucking blockbusters for fucking 40 years. I mean, Jaws. Oh, I mean, he's he's one of the best filmmakers of all time. What a fucking bold statement we're making here, right? <laughs> Holy shit, Steven. You know what? You know who I really like? Steven Spielberg. He's one of the best filmmakers of all time. Like, uh, yeah, no shit, dickhead. Yeah, that guy's pretty pretty good. But I mean, I, I'm if to, for him to stay in that style forever, I don't think it would have been the right move. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, look, Stranger Things, and, and, and I think this is something that you really like about the... F- about the series it is like 90 percent mood and the mood is like on the fucking nose oh yeah and and one of the the best sort of uh understated production designs i think um in that they've got just about everything exactly fucking right well not uh, only that but like it's so hard these days to get kids who don't suck and the kids <laughs> in this and the kids in this series are so great that it's sort of like it, it takes you back to those Spielberg movies where Spielberg had this knack for finding kids who just worked. And these kids in these movies – or I'm sorry, in this uh, series are just fantastic. Well, I think the the uh, one of the, the most refreshing things about it is it takes these tropes and then kind of turns them on their head a little bit. Um, most m- – most, uh, most obviously, I think is kind of the the dickhead boyfriend of the of the lead character's sister. I really like what they did with Steve. Yeah, I mean, you you uh, you you see that he's following the trope pretty closely as to you know what the '80s movie dickhead '80s horror dickhead boyfriend would have been, and then it kind of it twists it a little bit at the end, um, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Um, you know, in the I think the the real star of this of this show is uh, David Harbor. Yeah, as, uh, I agree. As totally. Chief Hopper, um, David Harbor pops up in uh, in Suicide Squad, and I was just I was like, oh man, that's great because this is the good part. Like I think it makes me think of something good when I'm watching this piece of shit. <laughs> I thought of Stranger Things immediately. Uh, I I think that the thing that it does really well is that. Um, First of all, the mood is great. It's a little low budget. I mean, you can tell in the special effects features that it's a little bit low budget, but um, yeah, the music the music is perfect. The atmosphere of the eighties is perfect. Um, the kids are perfect, and I think that it's like I think the first thing you ever said to me about this movie, or I'm sorry, this series, is that it it tells an interesting story, and I think that's one hundred percent accurate. And and I think the the one the one thing that I kind of wish uh style wise on it is that I wish it looked a little crappier. Like I wish the film stock looked a or well I'm sure it's shot on digital, but I wish it looked a little murkier and dirtier. Cause I think the opening the title credits, uh, the credit sequence for the titles has that like film grain to it and I wish that was all the whole thing. I mean it's a stupid yeah. minor complaint, but but I mean even- But I mean like this is the best like kids are such a mixed bag for me in films and TV. These kids are great. But like, going back to the mood and the design, even the fucking Aunt Jemima French toast, wa- French toast, frozen French toast boxes are like period accurate. Uh, right down to the to the formerly uh, form like the way that uh, I don't know if you remember this at all, but like in the ninety early nineties, it was a big deal that they updated the Aunt Jemima uh, logo mascot. 
to make it mm-hmm. a, to make it less racist. I mean, it's still pretty racist as it is, <laughs> but uh, to make it a little less racist, like she was wearing like a handkerchief on her head, and uh, you know looked like a stereotypical like Southern maid, um, like and even that's on the box in the Aunt Jemima waffles or frozen frozen uh, French toast, and that's something that like you know the brands have to okay stuff like that. Like you can't just go use an Aunt Jemima waffle box, but uh, it's it's incredible to me that they were like, yeah, that's cool. Go ahead and use that box that, that we well, thought was racist back then. But here, look, this is the question that we're all asking at this point. What about Barb? Barb's dead, man. Dude, oh, wait, Barb. And, and that's part of, that's honestly part of what I loved is that the, nobody gives a fuck about Barb other than, you know, her friend. Yeah. Well, Barb was Barb was a casualty of the of the horror genre. But yeah, watch Stranger Things. It's on Netflix now. There's what? 8 episodes? 13 or is it 10 or 13? I'm pretty sure it's 8, isn't it? Oh, oh, you know what? You're right. It is 8. It's really short. Um but it's it's excellent. I mean, great acting, great story, great vibe, like really creepy, like legitimately creepy too. Yeah. And um you know, it's it kind of harkens back to that stuff. You know, the John Carpenter relationship is really apt because it's kind of like that really creepy, like the thing vibe that you get. And um, well, yeah, there's a thing poster in the in the boys like basement. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think one of the, the most surprising things about it um, is uh, the involvement of uh of uh Sean Levy the uh the uh producer uh is a he's a producer Sean Levy also directed like junk like uh the Night at the Museum movies and Real Steel and he actually directs a few episodes of this which I didn't know if you realized that I did he he actually he's the only one other than I think the Duffer brothers that do direct uh any episodes in this series Yeah and the Duffer brothers people I hadn't heard of before and I think they're They've really exploded onto the scene. I, you know, it's kind of a slow build with Stranger Things. Like it, it got passed around. Like I read about it on the on the internet. On fa- obviously, I found out about it online. But on like Facebook, people were like, "This is fucking great." And it was a little more of the nerdier horror people that I interact with on Instagram and on Facebook. And then now it's crossed over into the mainstream. And I think uh, uh, I I don't know that they've announced a sequel yet or a second season. Series it's season. all but guaranteed at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, they leave it pretty open ended, and uh, uh, you know, there's still more story to tell. I, I think a lot of people I saw were wondering how they could possibly continue on, and I was like, well, this left it wide open for a second series. But I, I think that what I saw was that they're going to stage it like a year afterwards because so many of the kids have like matured and gone through puberty and like all of that stuff. So, <laughs> yes, as w- as what happens with kids. Um, do you remember, do you ever watch Eastbound and Down? Yeah. Do you remember the pilot episode? Um, you remember his like nephew, uh, uh, what's the main character's name? Um, God Kenny, Kenny Powers nephew, the big yeah. kind of chunky blonde kid. Yeah. Like the pilot and like the second episode are obviously shot. I don't know how far apart, but an awful long time apart. Cause he goes from being like a, like a fat kid to like a dumpy like puberty teenager like in two in the same span of one episode 
if you ever rewatch it, notice that how like how much he grows yeah. up. Anyway, Stranger hey, Things. Hey, before oh, before ahead. we move on, I I do have something to announce. Oh yeah, go ahead. We've been uh, talking about a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, We've got some real business so, here. We are, as you know, we have a monthly long residency at the Alamo Draft House. By the way, everyone who came out to see Bridesmaids with us, fucking awesome. Yeah, we praised them last week, but we'll do it again yeah. this week. So what we're doing this week is in honor of Sausage Party and also the 20th anniversary of South Park, we're going to show South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, um, which is amazingly a musical – uh, and it's one of the best musicals ever made. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't uh, Uncle Fucker nominated for an Oscar? Blame Canada was Blame nominated. Blame Canada, for an that's Oscar. what it was. And it was actually performed at the Oscars by Robin Williams. Oh. Rest in peace. Two years, I think, today, right? I think it was a couple days ago. But yes. Yeah. So um, this, I, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum here, but I. Uh, you I, are the, the South biggest Park- South Park fan that I know. Yeah, South Park. The South Park movie is is great. I mean, it's it's a musical. The, all of the songs are great. It's really funny. It's a great representation of the series, um, and I'm really excited to be showing it because it's you know, the series is 20 years old. This movie is probably what like 15 years old at this it point. Out of, it came out, ni- came out in 1999, so it's 17 years old. Um, yeah, and and here's a funny thing, a funny story about that. Um, I think it. I believe it came out uh, the same weekend as Wild Wild West. Oh, really? Um, I don't. I, it was. It was already released when Wild Wild West came out. So I don't know if it was the same weekend or not. Uh, but do you remember? And this is a very San Antonio specific story. Um, there was the uh, Fiesta Sixteen Theater, which I believe now is a dollar theater, right? Owned by yes, Santicos. This is when uh, when that opened. I believe that was the f- in like 1995. That was the first stadium seating theater in the San Antonio area. It kind of ushered in the modern age of movie going there. Um, and then a couple years later, they opened up the uh, Regal Hebner Oaks Theater. When right. Hebner Oaks was like a nice shopping destination. Anyway, they're like a mile apart as the crow flies, which is such an old term, but. Uh, so for whatever reason, I, I, the theaters didn't uh, – the distribution of the films didn't – like not every not every movie went to each of those theaters, which is unheard of. You know what I mean? So like right. one movie would open at one theater and the other one would open at one, the other theater. And I remember my, my friend uh, – my best friend Norm and I went to go see um, Wild Wild West at, at the AMC Hebner Oaks. Fucking hated it. And this was, I guess we were, we were, we were in college. It was the summer. I don't, neither of us were, we were, work, we both had jobs, but both of us had the day off. And I remember we, uh, we immediately left there and we're like, this sucks. Let's go check out this South Park movie. Cause it was, and it, we had to drive to the Fiesta theater to see it. And I remember both of us at the time were not, we weren't South Park fans and we kind of thought it was, uh, like it was on its way out and we thought that that movie would be like the last gasp of it. Yeah. <laughs> and we went and saw it and we were like, Holy fuck. This is amazingly great. Oh, it's fucking great. And, that uh, movie is great. It, it actually put me on to South park for a little while. I never kept up with it. I appreciate what it does. 
And I think every fucking four weeks or so, you send me a clip like, hey, did you see this South Park last week? I said, no, I don't fucking watch the show. But you keep sending me the goddamn stuff. Well, that's because it's relevant. It's it's, it's The relevancy of South Park has never faded. I, I, I appreciate what they do, and I, I respect what they do. And the fact that they uh, turn out a show in like a week's time, it's fucking madness. But uh, I respect what they do. I've just, I've just never – it's never been my – go-to thing. I wonder how well do they hold up since they're so timely? Have you ever gone uh, back? You know, it's tough. I mean, the timely stuff doesn't hold up that well, but the other stuff does. And uh, I mean, the movie's note, great. The movie's great. So, yeah, I mean, like, the, the movie itself is, I mean, it's a full-blown musical, which I think people tend to forget when they watch that movie. And it's kind of like the basis that started the whole Book of Mormon thing that eventually took Matt and Trey to a new level. But, um, well, it, it, it's kind of commenting on the Disney stuff too. I mean, that's what yes, Disney films were at the time. Well, a little before that time, we're all musicals. And some songs are direct kind of parodies of, so like, um, there's a song that, that Satan sings called up there. <laughs> it is kind of like a direct parody of part of this world from the little mermaid. And, um, there's a lot of Les Mis um, parodies and stuff. And really, it's just a great – and I and I was talking – I always talk with Kiko about this. I think it's the best uh, adaptation of a TV show to a movie that there's ever been. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know that there was much to adapt, though. No, I mean, it's basically a continuation rather than an adaptation. But, um, I mean, it's just really funny and – you know, Grammy nominated. I'm sorry, Oscar nominated for Blame Canada, um, and it really shows the talent. I mean, Trey Parker has, is is a musician by trade, basically. So, um, well, I mean, used to be. Now he's an animation executive, but yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so uh, it's it's just a really great movie, and I love it. It's really fun, and um, because of the 20th season of South Park, and because of Sausage Party, which is a really dirty animated film, which there are not enough of, by the way. Um, <laughs> really, we really thought that this was a good match. And when is it, tentatively? It's going to be August twenty second, which is a Monday night at seven thirty p.m. at Alamo Draft House Park North. Uh, hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, tickets are on sale. Um, but uh, we're really excited about this one. Um, I, it's just. I haven't seen it on the big screen, and of course, it's not going to look great because that was back when they were still doing like construction paper shit. But were they? I don't. Were they hand animating it back then, or was it like the rudimentary computer stuff? Man, it was rudimentary because that movie came out in like what, like two thousand, or maybe a little bit God before. Damn it, it came out in nineteen ninety nine. Pay attention. I, we already talked about this. Came out in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so it was probably very rudimentary at that point. Well, I mean, and computer. Before, I mean, like South Park. South Park at, at one point recently in the past two or three years started reanimating every episode that they had, and so now when you see reruns on South Park, they're all updated to have proper animation um, that represents, you know, today's technology. Weird. That's weird. It's like when you they think so. Yeah, it's like when they uh, have they converted them to HD. Yeah, absolutely. They can. They converted to sixteen by nine. <laughs> Slow down over there. You're you're stumbling. Uh, sixteen by nine. Uh, uh, they did that with The Simpsons uh, when it when it started airing on FX, 
and it ruined some of the fucking jokes because yes, they zoomed but, but in. The difference is they recomposited everything with South Park. So it's like total reanimation. It's not recomposited, but sure. I know what you mean. <laughs> That's not the word, but yeah. Well, they used to do that with uh, Pixar films, too. Um, I think Bugs Life, back when they used to actually have full frame versions, they would uh, uh, reconstitute the frame um, to to match a full frame version. Remember those days? Fuck. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Forgotten film, A Bugs Life, did that. On the DVD, you could buy it. It had a... One that was like made for full screen, four by three. Uh, anyway, so you can get those tickets hopefully soon at drafthouse.com. So, uh, speaking of sausage party, what do you say we move on to reviews? Let's do it. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Sausage Party. <laughs> Roberta, put your fucking hand down. You're ruining my joke. <laughs> Sweet. Ketchup, yeah. mustard, oh, sausages and buns. Sweet to bun. Yes! 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 Yeah! Yeah! We've been chosen together. It's because we belong together. I know it's against the rules, but just it's the, the tips. tips. <gasps> Prepare yourself, little sausage. You're about to learn the terrible truth. It's about cooking something. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's just beautiful. As soon as you're out those doors. Oh, Jesus, fuck! Gods kill our asses. You fucking whore! Me eyes! They burn! Please, no! I forgot the familia! That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Uh, because it makes them stronger? Hunger's insatiable, buddy. I mean, fuck. How do you know all this? We the non-perishables, motherfucker. A sausage named Frank strives to discover the truth about his existence. Cody, what did you think of Sausage Party? You know what it reminded me of? Um, did you ever see the Ricky Gervais movie? Um, the Invention of Lying? No. The Invention of Lining, yeah. <laughs> lying. <laughs> lying. Did, did I say lining? I meant lying. <laughs> I, never saw, I never saw it, but, uh, but I, it was, I heard about it. It was kind it. of just like religious study Right, it was it was a religion allegory. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that Sausage Party hits it, but not hard enough to make any impact, um, because it balances that out with the most, you know, asinine juvenile humor you can think of. I mean, like, look, I mean, I've I've made myself known as a fan of puns, <laughs> but this takes things way too far. Um, it's there's a lot of low hanging fruit here, pun intended fully, one hundred percent. And I think that it just hits at an inaccurate rate. I mean, for me personally, um, you know, I think that the best part of this movie is Nick Kroll's voiceover work as the douche, um, which Parks and Recreation fans will notice he played the douche in Parks and Rec. And he is now playing a literal douche in Sausage Party. Well, it's basically uh, his. Uh, isn't it basically his Bobby Bottle Service voice? It's yes, it's Bobby Bottle Service. If you've seen the Kroll Show or anything that he's done, um, it's it's Bobby Bottle, uh, Bobby Bottle Service one hundred percent. Um, I think that the problem with this movie is that the jokes are just too easy, and I think that um. It toys with playing with religion and um, sort of mortality on a very serious 
kind of um I guess kind of making fun of it level on a real satiric level and it doesn't really go anywhere with it. It kind of backs off at the, at, at the very last moment and just kind of degradates it into some sort of, you know, cartoon parody. And, um, I just think that like so many of the jokes are just too easy. And, um, I, I wanted to like it more than it was. And, and there are some like legitimate, really great, funny parts to it, but, for every funny part, there's a really obvious, easy part that's like, you know, it's just a fucking food pun. Yeah, you know, first of all, one of the, the things that bugs me most about the, the movie is the kind of semantics of it. They never call – they call Seth Rogen's characters Frank, who they call a sausage. It's not a fucking sausage. He's a goddamn hot dog. Yeah. And I get it. I get the, I get the use of sausage you know, because it represents a dick. But it's just never – first, it's like, wait a minute, this is a fucking hot dog. Call him a hot dog. But uh, that's the picky part of me. I think it really um, kind of stalls out in the second act for me. Uh, yeah. And I don't think it ever totally recovers. I think it comes really close. Um, look, I had no idea going into it um, that this was going to be kind of a, a an argument against faith and kind of a condemnation at the same time of the militant atheism. Uh, you know, like being a dickhead sort of sort of aspect that you see from uh, Seth Rogen's character in the third act. Um, so I was a little put off by that. Not that I don't, not that I don't mind it. I just think that that the movies, the structure of the movie doesn't really support that plot as it carries forward. Um, because like first of all, like what the hell do these foods like how are they made like what do they think is happening like how long do those hot dogs stay in the store like this the turnover on that stuff must be pretty high because they get they get thrown out you know what i mean anyway yeah i mean if you look at the structure you're you're trying to make sense of a movie that has talking produce right and yeah and that's that's my fault but uh but i think that the that the the uh, kind of journey with the characters make in the second act and they get separated and then put back together, I think is really, it, it, it really bored me, frankly. Um, yeah. There's a middle section of this movie that is like, not, I mean, I lost interest halfway through for sure. And then I don't think it really comes to life again. And I don't think it really ever hits that kind of uh, hard parody of a Pixar film until, uh, 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 Michael Sarah's character Barry, and I wrote this in my review on Cinesnob.net. I don't think it ever really hits that point until you see him show up at like this burnout stoner's house. Well, uh, yes, yes, but also I don't think it hits the point to where it's like really, really obscene and adult until the very, very. End. Oh well, yeah, that's true. All the all look, all the stuff that you see in the coloring book we mentioned before, like all the sex stuff and all the sex stuff you've heard happens doesn't happen until the very very end and um, and i think to me that feels gimmicky yeah it feels a, and it's it's a little too uh you know it, it, like they're just foul mouth throughout the whole film and you're for me i was just kind of waiting for it to happen you know when it finally did happen i was like finally finally it happened but uh, but i think that that when uh when when the michael saris character when michael saris character uh runs across the other kind of junk food in this like guy's apartment where he's was he doing uh bath salts yes bath salts. uh and i think played that, by james franco played by james franco yes uh 
I think that's the moment that it really kind of hits that Pixar, like that fucked up Pixar uh, uh, format that it was really shooting for. And then kind of the resolution of that that I won't spoil here is just this gleefully destructive, like really violent act uh, that, that sets up the, the climax that's that's just super violence. Yes, uh, but where was that the rest of the movie? That's what I'm talking that's about. And I, I that's that's the problem that I had with the movie is that it wasn't – like it should have been this anarchic thing the whole way through. And then instead we get this uh, – the the pretty limp second act that I think – look, I don't I – don't, I, I don't think that uh, – that those two characters should have been, I don't think Seth Rogen's character, Barry, I mean, uh, Frank, and then Michael Sarah's Barry should have been two separate characters. Those are the, that's, that's the main character to me smushed into one, you know, and now we're talking like structure problems with the script, but I, I think that, that the real funny stuff comes with Barry, you know, when they, when it finally turns into that Pixar, that, that demented Pixar film, when it finally becomes this violent gleeful thing at the end, that's all Barry's stuff. Um, yes. So, yes, absolutely. So, uh, and not, like the other stuff is just like, like, do you really think that produce doing drugs is funny? I mean, I if you do, look, I, look, I think it was funny. Uh, not not super laugh out loud funny the whole time, but there were definitely funny things throughout, and I think that's enough to to drive it the whole way through. I which, just, which, which, by the way, uh, Bill Hader doing an Indian racist, dude. That's all racist. I mean, it's whole... it's it's really racist. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the and and it's it's that kind of like super obvious stereotype racism that I mean it's I don't think it's Edward pretty... Norton was super racist. Yeah. Edward doing Norton a Woody Allen impression. Edward Norton doing a Woody Allen impression as a bagel and then David Crumholtz playing a uh what is that uh lavash? It's is that like lavash. a Is that like a a flatbread thing? Yeah, it's like pita. Okay. You know, doing that and essentially like being Palestinian and uh, and uh, uh, Israel. And honestly, the way that that stuff plays out in like the big shock scene is not enough to make it worth the entire journey. I think I, I just I just don't think that the movie is as funny or as edgy as it thinks it is. I uh, totally agree with that. And I and you know, to be fair, I might be just a desensitized bastard. You know, well, uh, I mean, I th- I think that the the difference is in this kind of harkens back to what we're talking about with South Park is that South Park, the South Park movie is genuinely edgy. And this one feels like it's 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 gimmicky in the way that it's being edgy, you know, like, the, of course, it's edgy because it looks like a modern animation movie and it has really dark stuff in it. But honestly, the content is so easy. Like the jokes are just so easy the whole way through. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's uh, it's not something you you wouldn't see somewhere else. You know, uh, like you said, we've had twenty years of South Park, and South Park at its time was was groundbreaking in its kind of frankness. Uh, I'm keep saying Frank a lot, like it's a hot dog. I said frankly and Frank. Um, that's neither here nor there, but it's, you know, in the age of the internet, it's not unusual to watch animation. That's totally filthy, you know? Uh, so I just don't think it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's surprising that it's a shocking film like this released in theaters, but I think in and of itself, it's not that shocking. You know, it's just the circumstances behind it that you can go see this movie at a movie theater, uh, you know, where, you know, 
instead of just watching it on the internet. Uh, but I do think it's funny. I don't want people to think it's not funny because it is funny. It's just not as funny as it probably should have been. And, and I and I don't know that the that the religion plot really works as much as they want it to. And then it, the very end, it devolves into like this weird sort of sort of stoner meditation on like voiceover acting. Yeah, I think the end where it gets really meta is. Very unsuccessful. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But maybe I'm not high enough, <laughs> or or at all. Um, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's a, a fine enough movie. I just don't think it's, you know. Again, I may be just a desensitized prick who needs, you know, who needs his 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 shocking animation to be even more shocking. But uh, I just didn't find it that edgy. So what's your grade for Sausage Party? C plus. C plus. You're not even recommending it. I'm not actually. Yeah. Wow. I'm at a B minus. I think it's. I think it's good. I don't think it's great, but I think it's good. Let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Gleason. I have been diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is a um, it's a disease in the motor neurons. And uh, this disease is, is almost always fatal. My first reaction was kind of frustration or anger at the doctor for saying it. And I just was like, there's no, there's no way. Like, he's telling me this, but I don't necessarily believe what he's saying. I just think there's a bigger battle there about being able to say, okay, you know, I have been, have this diagnosis and it's not going to, it's not going to crush my life, uh, even if it does crush, you know, crush my body. After he is diagnosed with ALS, former professional football player Steve Gleason begins making a video diary for his unborn son as he, his wife, and their friends and family work to raise money for ALS patients as his disease progresses. I didn't see it. You saw Gleason. What'd you think? Man, it's the best movie I've seen this year. I mentioned that you said that to me about Hell or High Water. Yeah, which we'll talk about next week a little bit, but... um. So, I mean, it's sort of like – so I put this documentary called um, The Lion's Mouth Opens, I think it was called, on uh, my top ten last year. And it was about a woman who figured out – you know, she was essentially – I mean, I guess I'll spoil it. She was she had Huntington's disease. And, um, yeah, that's the one with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard as her friend and uh, yeah, Jason, yeah, yeah. Jason Ritter. And this movie is so moving in the way that it shows someone who has ALS, uh, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, um, you know, not trying to fight it or find a cure, but just kind of trying to find out how to find the best quality of life that you can have with this disease. And it's very, very open and honest, and it's very brutal to watch. It's hard to watch at times. Uh, you know, I can I can speak for myself and Kiko, who is not here tonight. Of course, he's on assignment in Africa right now. Uh, but uh, he's uh, he's trying to find out why anyone ever thought Trevor Noah was funny. 
Yes, exactly. He's in South um, Africa looking for proof as to why this guy is funny. So far, he's coming up pretty empty. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we both cried like babies during this. It's really hard to watch. It's really emotional. If you've seen anything like the lion's mouth opens or undefeated, it's really, really moving. And it's amazing to watch this guy who – so he was the guy who in when New Orleans came back from Katrina after playing some games here in San Antonio actually, um, he blocked the punt on that first game back that was on national TV. And he gained notoriety. notoriety. There's actually a statue of him outside of the Superdome now. Um and just to watch this guy battle through ALS, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know what ALS is, it's a degen- degenerative disease that affects the body but not the mind. So your best reference point is Stephen Hawking. Um, he has ALS. His mind has not de- deteriorated a bit, but he can't move or speak or anything like that. Well, ALS, probably uh, the awareness is best known through the Ice Bucket Challenge uh, from a couple yeah, of years Yeah, which ago. actually did amazing things for, for uh, research and recovery for that right. uh, di- particular disease. Um, but this movie shows Steve Gleason as this guy who's essentially making a journal for his son who – you know, has to have a father who he can't communicate with, you know, because he loses his ability to speak. And, um... (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Keep it together over there. (laughs) And it's just this really amazing outlook at, um... You know, this guy who has had so much taken away from him, but yet has this family aspect and has this professional... Uh, ongoing ability to make changes in people's lives and it's really really beautiful and amazing to watch it's a total tearjerker but it's it's incredible and this is uh this is playing in theaters now correct it's not an on-demand thing it, it, yes it's currently in theaters but it was it the, the ownership belongs to amazon prime so at some point this will be on amazon prime and we oh, will nice. let you know on this out on this uh, podcast when it's available. But um, if it's available around you, please go see this movie because it's, it's, you know, what I love is really raw documentaries that shows people who are at their worst in their lives, who are not afraid to share that with other people. And there are some really dark, heavy, hard to watch moments in this movie. And there's also some really beautiful, uplifting stuff. And I think that, um, that this movie does that thing where, you know, there's some religious aspects to it, but it's kind of put to the wayside because it's a very human thing over being a religious thing. And uh, that's what Gleason does really well. All right, what's your grade? My grade is an A-. minus. This is probably one of the best things I've seen this year. Um, if you have the chance to see this, please go see this. It's an amazing tale of of this guy who... You know, he was a he was a maybe not a superstar athlete, but someone who definitely has relevance with, you know, the city of New Orleans in the post Katrina wake. Um, really reaching a point where his life has changed tremendously, and it's amazing. You know, I was talking to Kiko a little bit about it, who isn't here tonight, obviously, but you know, as a father, he was impacted by this movie a lot more than I was uh, as a twenty-seven-year-old single loser. <laughs> Settle down over there. 
<laughs> Just shooting off wads into Kleenexes, never making a baby. No, I can't write, make a video diary for a used tissue. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Right? That's that's next week, right? That is the only thing we're all for sure getting. Um, right. There's also War Dogs. Are you uh, getting a War Dogs? Yeah, there's War Dogs. There's the Mike Birbiglia movie. Uh, uh, um, don't Think Twice. Don't Think Twice. Have you watched that yet? I haven't yet, no. I try. I, I told the story of uh, did I tell the story here of trying to see it at South by? Yes, uh, and, and that and that Mark like not even Mike Perbiglia could get tickets to it, right? Oh, the publicist totally fucked that screening up. I got a press email like, "Come see this screening." Like, all right, I'll be there. And then like, oh yeah, uh, go wait in line. Like, what do you mean go wait in line? I'm not gonna get in. Go wait in line. And then I was I was complaining to the publicist after the line got in and they sealed it up, sealed it up, cut it off. Uh, it wouldn't let anybody else in. Uh, and then Mike Birbiglia was standing next to me trying to get other people in too. And he couldn't even get people in because they fucked it up so badly. But uh, yeah, I, I need to watch it. Uh, I haven't yet. I will. Um, I will see Kubo and the Two Strings. I have a screening for War Dogs uh, as well. So we'll probably talk about that too. Uh, also, um, I, I know both you and I are going to go see uh, the Fathom Events Rift Tracks Live Mothra on uh, on the 18th. Right? You're going to that? I am going to that, and I'm excited because, like I said earlier in this podcast, I think that these movies have like this inherent shitty quality to them that makes them so ripe for parody. I don't think that you said that in this podcast, but... Oh, really? I didn't? Okay, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you... I mean it's obvious, clearly. <laughs> we have talked about it before, but you haven't said it tonight. But yeah, this is uh, Rift Tracks Live, uh... Uh, presented by Fathom Events at theaters across the country. Uh, you can get your tickets at rifttracks.com slash live. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Mothra is one of the Japanese monster movies I don't think I've seen. I've seen a lot of the Godzilla stuff. I've seen the Gamera stuff. But uh, Mothra is one that's escaped me. I'm, I'm sure I've seen parts of it on cable in the 90s, but uh, this is supposed to be a, a restored print of Mothra, which should have be you been looking. watching a lot of the uh, MST3K on uh, Pluto TV lately? Because I, I have, been. I know you got into it. Um, I, I'll turn it on every now and then. Um, I mean, it's twenty four seven. It's hard not to turn into it. Well, you got to keep in mind, I've got like a twenty year head start on you with this MST3K stuff, so I've seen all of those episodes. And and every one that they air, I have a a copy of because it's all the Shout Factory uh, catalog stuff that they've released. I mean, it's funny, but I think that both of you have, or both of us, I should say, have realized that it's a lot better with inherently shitty movies than good movies and just kind of poking fun at them. I I've recommended to you some of the Rift Tracks back catalog that you should check out, uh, stuff like Rotor and. Uh, uh, their uh, their riff of uh, Batman and Robin, which is fantastic. Which uh, you just found out via me that it was fan written. I didn't know that, and I'm, it kind of surprised me. Um, I mean, it's still great, and I mean, the performances is what do it. I mean, there there are guest riffers that do that all the time, and then there's other people that uh, that do the riffing um, here and there, and it's it never strikes me quite the same way as it does with those performers. So. 
you know, it's it's. Well, a, I mean, like they write it, but the performers perform it. No, I understand, but then there's there's other ones that they have that that have that they've released that have other performers. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Yes, I am. Okay, we're just making sure your little your lag times uh, significantly uh, significantly higher than usual right now. <laughs> my yeah, my lag time. Really, really nice way of wording that. <laughs> well, you said not to talk about it, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> you fucking pussy. Uh, you afraid your mom's listening? Uh, eh. Anyway, uh, so that's Riff Tracks Live Mothra, uh, August 18th, presented by Fathom Events. You can get your tickets at rifttracks.com slash live. Remember to check at drafthouse.com for our uh, screening of South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Coming up on August 22nd uh, at Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 7.30, right? 7.30 start time? 7.30 p.m. P.m., yes. Don't go in the morning because that would be silly. Um, yes. So uh, that's a, a week from tomorrow. Wow. How time flies. Excuse me. I'm burping now, too. Oh, uh, you, you bastard. I had some fucking sausage earlier, so. In honor of Sausage Party, I ate some sausage, and it gave me the sausage burps. Uh, so if you, want to, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast.cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Find us on Twitter, at Cinesnob. On Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. Uh, hopefully, Cody will be going live from uh, South Park, uh, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Um won't be getting killed, I hope, like Kenny does. Is Kenny still on the show? Uh, yeah, he is. I think. Okay. Although Butters became like the impromptu Kenny at one point. Uh, so I see. How, that's how much I know. Isaac Hayes isn't on the show anymore, right? No, because he is dead. Well, he left the show too. He's also dead. Did the chef guy? Is the chef character gone forever? Yeah. I remember they turned him into like Darth Vader. Well, because he became a Scientologist yeah. in the show. Yeah, I, I remember, and that was the one that they that they put out like the subtitles on the screen, like Scientologists actually believe this. Yes, that was an amazing, brilliant episode. Wasn't uh, was, was South Park the one that also had the the Muhammad thing? Yep, that was them. Wow, and no one got blown up for that, did they? Nope, they are still alive and banking off of Book of, uh, Book of Mormon still. No, oh, that's that's a show I'd like to see. I don't. It's really it's it's funny. It's it's well worth checking out if you have the opportunity. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we go? Nope. We'll see you next week for another great episode of the Cinestop Podcast, brought to you by Alamo Draft House, the best theater chain in Texas. What did you uh, have you uh, changed? Gotten any uh, new any of the new menu items that they've had for uh, for Sausage Party? Yet. No, I haven't tried them, but they're doing like a bunch of different hot dogs and some deep fried Twinkies and some uh, cocktails. Uh, I almost you know, got, I almost got a hot dog the other night when I went to see Sausage Party, but I I went for the the classic pizza. They really go all out, and I and I love that about Draft House is that when you have a movie that is so in their niche and in their wheelhouse, they will go all out with menu items, drink specials, and all of that stuff. Um, I mean, like, there's no other way to say it other than they are the best chain of theaters around. I agree. I, I can't, I, I hate, and even down to, like, the audiovisual stuff, there is nobody in, in, in town 
that does it better than Alamo Draft House. Yes, I totally agree. I I don't like going to I don't like going to Regal. Man, every time I have to go to a fucking Regal. Yeah, just it's a pain off. in the ass. Just pisses me off. All right, on that note, I am Jared Kingery. I am Cody Viafania. Kiko Martinez is on assignment. He is currently in Brazil covering the Rio Olympics. We wish him the best. We wish him he doesn't get Zika. Um, and uh, Zika. God bless. Zika. Is it Zika? Have okay. you only read it? Have you only read the word? I have only read it. I don't what the fuck? How Dude, you... you work at a fucking news studio. I, I don't watch that shit. I know, but I can't believe that you've only ever read the word. Like, no I one's have... talked about it in casual conversation with you? Never. Never. Son of a bitch, you need to get out of your goddamn house more. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit CineSnob.net. See you next week.